0: Can Brian Flores lead the Vikings defense to a victory over the Detroit Lions? Yeah, uh, we know that Brian Flores isn't the head coach, but let's be real. They're going to ride the coattails of this defense as far as they can possibly go to potentially win the NFC North. And in their way, the Detroit Lions, who are one win away from clinching their first ever NFC North title and their first division title since 1993. We're going to talk all about it here this afternoon with my special guest, Dan to Dan, 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 Dan. Welcome to the Real Forno ah. Show.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Hosted by Tyler Fornis, the managing editor of USA Today's Vikings Wire. Writer for the College Football Network. Publisher of Substack Run-In Shooter host of the good, the bad, and the hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and score.
0: In the words of the great Brent Musburger, you are looking live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Forno. Moving down to the bottom right corner, he is producer Dave. And to my left, one of the biggest Lions fans I've ever met, and a football aficionado. His name oh, yeah. is Dan, 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 or Dan, Dan, Alter, Dan, if Dan, 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 Dan. That's what it says. How are you doing my friend? I'm
2: good, man. How are you? How are you?
0: Life is good. Life is, life is pretty good. And we are just a few days away from Christmas. And we are a few days away from, I don't know if you know this, the winter whiteout uh, where the Vikings, it's the second annual winter whiteout. They did it last year against the giants. On Christmas Eve, and they're doing it again against the Lions, full white jerseys, white end zones, white logo in the middle. Ooh. It should be a fun time.
2: Ooh, I, I got... I I love, like, an all-white look. Um, Especially because I really do like the Vikings colors. Like, I'm a I'm a fan mm-hmm. for purple. Purple's a cool color, man. So it's like the white and purple always looks really good. I, and I like, like, the road jerseys, too. But, like, a whole whiteout... <laughs>
0: The only thing they haven't done yet is they have not whited out the, the face masks. I'm guessing that may come down the line, but it's it's going to be about as NFL as you can get for a Penn State whiteout because there's there's nothing. I like it. Like a Penn that State whiteout White is it's,
2: so cool. To, that's so cool to watch every year. And uh, I like that recently they haven't put my Buckeyes on the whiteout. They've done the moon, so I don't have to deal with it.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, it, it's not smart to put uh, a, like one of your best rivals at at the whiteout, except the one year where Michigan went in and literally the first play of the game, they had to call a timeout because the crowd was just so bonkers. Hopefully U S bank stadium gets that way, but it's, it's an absolutely special. Hopefully not. I hope not. Don't,
2: don't throw that at me.
0: (laughs) You know what? Let's, let's jump right into Dan. Um, Start with kind of a a whole worldview, because obviously we keep tabs on the lions being that we share the same division. And when we look at the lions, we see, like, I see a team that's really in flux. They're not quite 100% confident yet, but when they are confident, they play some really, really good football. And what, what is the sense um, in Michigan, because that is where you reside, you're a lifelong Lions yeah. fan. What is the sense among the fan base and amongst yourself as to like what this Lions team really is?
2: It's such a strange thing because it's like, my whole life, I've gone with the the moniker SOL. Same old Lions has just been like what I grew up with. So now it's so strange because it's like I'm watching a team where, like, this is the best that the Detroit Lions has been in my life. Like, and I'm not talking about like a single season success. They've had a couple like really good single seasons like that. Uh, the year mm-hmm. I think they played like New Orleans, where they had Calvin and A. Burleson and matt stafford doing his thing like just throwing it around with no regard for anything else um but i think this is sort of the one time i've seen where you are really seeing like not just the fact that they are having a great year not just the fact that they are potentially on the cusp of like winning the division for the first time in my entire life it's the fact that they actually have a regime that is like actually building towards something Mm -hmm. Where in previous regimes, it's been a lot of like, okay, like you hit the big ones, but we would always look back and be like, okay, well, you can't keep Calvin and you can't keep Stafford and you can't keep Sue. Like, I remember that was a big conversation uh, in that Mm -hmm. sort of era where it was like, you couldn't keep the stars. And then between Mayhew and Quinn, they never drafted in like rounds two through like seven, six, seven-ish to like actually build a team. So a lot of the issue is like it was always oh well you had SOL because it was like well they're going to look good. They have they have players, inevitably they're going to have players. But now all of a sudden for the first time in my life I'm watching a team that's like oh wow, this is a team that's well built. This is a team that they have an identity. They have the players to back up that identity and then even when injuries hit, they still have depth to actually still continue to go do what they want to do.
0: Yeah, and so I just want to yeah, give a shout-out to Lefty for that uh, that super chat talking about how U.S. Bank needs to be loud on Sunday, and we completely agree. Dan, <laughs> I, I want to I touch on this because you kind of mentioned the whole idea of um, what uh, Quinn and Mayhew really didn't do um, in trying to build up this team. They didn't really focus on trying to actually build a solid roster, whereas with Brad mm-hmm. Holmes and Dan Campbell... And, you know, Dan Campbell is one of my favorite coaches in the league. That dude may have started off as a meme, but you can tell that, that he is just one of the more genuine people in the entire league. And he doesn't just like talk it. He is what he says. And I think that's really cool. And it's showing with this football team, even that first year. Where there were games, uh, I remember the Rams game uh, where they they faced Stafford for the first time, mm-hmm. and they had no business even being competitive in that game. They lost by nine, but they had a lead going into the fourth quarter in that game yeah. because that's what this team was. They were a fighting team, and yep. now took a lot of flack because they drafted a running back and inside linebacker to start the draft and then they got a tight end and a D in the second round. It's like, well, if you if you reverse it, it feels pretty good. Well, they all feel pretty good right now. Like what is it about Dan Campbell and trying to kind of put this team forward on that proper path. And the fact that they haven't really strayed off of it at all, I think is a really, really impressive thing considering as you mentioned, same old lions. We've we've seen the lions my entire life, just like poop down their pants. And I remember Barry Sanders' last game, a playoff game against Washington, poop down their pants. It's just been a constant. Mm-hmm. Why does it feel different now? Like it is it really Dan Campbell? Is he that guy? And he's really fixed everything? I think to an extent, it is. Like you have a coach who
2: he is committed to the culture. Where mm-hmm. and I, I think Schwartz was alright with that. Um with Caldwell, I think they did a good job, just like, hey, he's a veteran coach, he knows how to deal with adults, kind of thing like that. And then Patricia was an absolute dumpster fire. Yep. Um so coming off of just like uh I I don't know how Matt Patricia's allowed within like thirty feet of a football field at this point. <laughs> like he he and the fact if the fact that the eagles said like we're going to let this guy call defense it's just it was ridiculous that guy should not be like buddy go go back to nasa go get a go get a job application go to nasa get away from this great game um but it's like coming off of such a bad i mean culture wise mm-hmm. um like building talent accumulating talent the whole thing was a mess so coming in off of such a poor culture to now a guy who like gets it culture wise dan campbell is he's going to coach a team where he doesn't want you there unless you're going to fight he doesn't want you there unless you're going to work hard i mean i'll look at the way that like cj gardner johnson has gone about like his rehab like he was talking about it today because today he came back to practice and a big thing that he mentioned was he wanted to get back. He wanted to get back for his team. He had said that, like, oh yeah, if we win on Saturday or on Sunday, I'm gonna ball out crying because I'm so happy for this team. I don't want to be there for this team. And saying so that he was working out like 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. to try and get himself right to be back for this team. And you just you see a team full of people who they want each other to to succeed. They want the best out of their teammates and it's an unselfish team where they don't care if they're making the play. They just care that the play is being made.
0: Yeah. And I, I got to say that it's, it's, it's really refreshing to see that from the lions as, as much as it pains me as a Vikings guy, I, you know, I cover the team. I've been a lifelong fan and I really don't, I really don't wish the lions anything of any positivity, but it's it's good to see a fan base that is arguably more tortured than we are in a different way because the Vikings will will give you hope and and it's it's like that meme with the with the the fisherman in the store. is like oh you, you almost got <laughs> that, that, that's how we've been tortured whereas you yeah. it's just like you are an outhouse and everybody comes in to see you like it's yeah. it's just a whole different kind of torture um I want to transition to the offense here because yeah. I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room and his name is Jamison Williams. Um, He's going to be forever linked to the Minnesota Vikings in his career. He only has 18 receptions for, I believe it's 294 yards and, and five touchdowns. Not exactly what you would call a great stat line. It, it, it deserves to be mentioned. He's only played in 16 games. So he essentially has a full season under his belt where the Vikings traded down and they ended up getting Lewis seen. And then they obviously got a couple other guys in that package, but it's really going to be Jamison Williams versus Lewis seen and scenes done 10% of Jack squat. I think he's played a total of two defensive snaps and you have Jamison Williams, who's really hasn't been able to quite figure it out yet. W- what is going on with Jamison Williams? Is it as simple as some of the stat sheets will tell you that he's just not producing or is it just a factor of he's not a focal point in the offense?
2: I going to say a little of both. And actually, a point that I I do want to make is this last week against Denver, he had a career high in targets and catches. Um, I think he had, I want to say like six or seven targets and I think four catches. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of those things where I think there is a little bit of him getting acclimated and him learning like, this is what it takes to be an NFL player. This is what it takes to get on the field. And then also him and Jared Goff so to get, uh, getting on the same page, where you'll still see, um, like there was a play against Denver where Goff threw like an over shoulder ball where like had Williams just kept running, he would have had a nice like lean catch into the sideline, but because Goff or JMO like it looked like he held up a little bit, and then as he's running, the ball was just outside his reach. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I would understand why he would hold up a little bit because a, the quarterback that's throwing it to him has a borderline noodle arm. But at the same time, it's like you see golf starting to get more confidence in him and just like some of the passes he's throwing to him. Like you're seeing tighter windows, you're seeing them look to JMO a little bit, especially. And I'm going to keep bringing up that this last game against Denver because it was his best game. And it was the game where he was far and away the most involved. But you sort of started to see like, hey, like maybe they're looking to bring him along a little more. Um, My personal thought on it, I wish they would get him involved in more fun ways. Uh, I keep looking at the, the Saints game where they had that like double reverse to him and just gave him an alley and said, hey, you're faster than everyone. Go. And I wish they would do more stuff like that. They would do like more mesh, slants, screens, things to just get him the ball in space and say, go run. So that's sort of how I'm looking at JMO a little bit is it's like, he's coming along, he's coming along, he's coming along, he's learning. He does a lot of the other things that I think they really like you like. Ben Johnson has said it multiple times this year that it's like, Hey, he blocks. He wants to block. He's out there throwing blocks like he had one I think it was the Carolina game and the Chargers game where Monty had like a really nice run like long touchdown and you saw JMO like get out there and like lay a little bit of wood on a defender and really open up a lane for Monty downfield and I think doing things like that he's getting the trust of his teammates a little more and then as he gets more involved in the offense I think you're gonna see the Lions add a new dimension to it, which will be cool because they have no speed outside of him and Gibbs.
0: Yeah. That's is something that's really going to help take that offense to another level. When, when he starts figuring it out and an element that they had last season that they ended up trading them Minnesota Vikings with TJ Hawkinson. Well, they mm-hmm. kind of have their own TJ Hawkinson in a different form in Sam Laporta Laporta in my view is more Noah Fant than TJ Hawkinson, a little bit more of the pass yeah. catcher. And, not quite as good of a blocker as Hawkinson was, but in this offense, like that's okay. The offensive line has been so dominant. What has made Laporta so special uh, this season? Cause like when I've been watching a lot of his touches have been kind of manufactured, but they're also trusting a rookie tight end to continue to get these little four and five yard routes at where, and then eventually they start hitting him downfield, but they're trusting him to do all these things as a rookie. And that's yeah. a pretty impressive peak for the position.
2: Yeah. So the big question I then will rebut rebuttal is, is the cure to male loneliness just Sam Laporta? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that meme gets thrown around Lions Twitter a lot. Um, it was a thing. Goff said it the first day of training camp when they were all on the field. He's throwing passes to a lot of these guys. And he immediately, like, I think it was, I want to say like Colton Pouncy or like one of those uh, Lions beat writers that asked him like, hey, what do you think of Sam Laporta? And Goff was just like, I trust him immediately. Like, I throw him the ball and he's getting it. And like that immediate trust that Goff had in him is big because it's how you sort of did mention, he's not like a run blocker. When he's getting on the field, they are trying to throw him the football. I think Brock Wright does a lot more of the actual like run blocking or in-line stuff that they like to do. Where Laporta, they're moving him around a little bit, they're getting him favorable matchups. And then he's really just he's doing the work. He's really just doing the work. It is what it comes down to. Is it's like, you know, a lot of times we see like a lot of tight ends come into the league and they have like a learning curve. Like I I always remember like Brandon Pettigrew, Eric Ebron, these guys who it's like they came in and struggled immediately. And then like as they went, you sort of saw, okay, well, hey, they're figuring it out a little bit. They're looking a little better. Laporte is just immediate. He came in, he has the trust of his quarterback, and it's like, hey, we trust him to go make the play when we need him.
0: That's pretty impressive that uh, Goff is like, yeah, I trust this guy day one. And let's transition into Jared Goff, one of the weirder quarterbacks in the National Football League. His arc mm-hmm. has been fascinating to watch. First overall pick stunk his rookie year, but everybody stinks under Jeff Fisher. And then he gets with McVay year three. He's in the Super Bowl, has a chance to win. They lose 13 3 to the Patriots in one of the weirder Super Bowl games we've seen in a long yeah. time. Gets the big contract, and then he just kind of fizzles out a little bit. They make the trade, they get Goff and two first round picks from the Rams for Matt Stafford, and that helps them rebuild this team. But Goff has almost seen a renaissance too. Where he feels a lot more comfortable and a lot more—I uh, I don't know what the right word is—but he he felt like almost like an aimless robot when he, at the the latter end of his yeah. time in Los Angeles, and he feels really revitalized with this with this Lions team. Where where are we at with Jared Goff? Are we at a position where we can really count on him? Are we talking extension? Because I've seen that bandered around a little bit. Like, what's the status of Goff?
2: Um my personal feelings on golf are conflicted because I see a guy who when things are well he can he can elevate your team a little bit like if you have I forgot where the stat was um I someone saw I saw it on Twitter where they basically said when all five linemen play for Detroit I think they're like five or six and Oh, And when not all five play, I think they're like four and four, I want to say. And I think that comes down to how it affects golf. He is a guy who, if he's given time, he can make plays. He can can make plays. He can make some really nice throws. And then you have those short and intermediate demons on this Detroit offense between St. Brown And between Laporta, as we just talked about, Brock Wright makes some nice catches. Josh Reynolds is really good on the short to intermediate stuff. They like to get the ball like Monty and Gibbs out of the backfield. So it's like when they have that offensive line good, and when they have that offensive line moving, they, like, golf plays well. I think it was last, uh, who was it? I want to say Mina Kimes brought it up. Where she had mentioned that, like, there is just this gigantic disparity on Jared Goff when he's clean and when he's pressured. Now, a distinction I do want to make on that, because I know that Brian Flores loves to blitz, is it's not mm-hmm. if they're blitzing, it's if that blitz is getting home. Because I think Detroit does a good job generally picking up the blitz, they do a good job generally pass blocking. They've had a couple of like bumpy games here and there. Like The Green Bay game was just an outright bad game from this offensive line. But it's like when Goff is given time, he can make throws he can make plays. Now, to the extension portion of that discussion, that's where a lot of my conflicted feelings come in is because it's like if they extend him, they extend him. Like, I think he's shown enough to where you can potentially trust him to be the guy of this franchise. My issue is, do I trust Jared Goff on 45 to $48 million a year when you're probably going to have to sacrifice some of that really nice infrastructure that he operates in? Do I trust him then? Because like, if you sign him to that extension, you're probably going to have to see one or two of these offensive linemen move. Whether it be like Jonah Jackson, who's up for an extension either this year or next. You have Taylor Decker. You're going to have to sign Penacey Well to a new contract. Ragnar's in an extension right now. Glasgow, I think, is a free agent after this year. So you've got to like figure out if you are going to give him that money. Are you going to continue to just purely invest in offense and then hope you can make it work on defense? Or do you trust him enough to where, hey, we're going to give you your money, but we can't give you as much on this in offensive infrastructure, and that's where my personal conflict comes in, because I sort of see it where I don't see golf as like a modern day NFL quarterback, because like when he has to move off of his platform, he's really bad at it, and that's where I think I brought it up to um, Garrett Garrett Greenley, and then the NFL Stock Exchange. I brought it up to them a couple times where I said like I wouldn't hate if they. Tried to draft another quarterback who can fit modern NFL times where you can sort of say, Hey, we got a rookie contract. Let's give St. Brown and Laporta and well that money while this kid's on a rookie contract. But that's the sort of like the team building conflict I always run into with Jared Goff because he's sort of like a paradox with that. I'm like, You know, I'd like him, but I don't know if I like him at $45 million a year.
0: Congratulations. Welcome to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> this is this is what we've been dealing with uh, since 2018 mm-hmm. is it's got, they're in the same bucket and like i don't want to get into the discussion of hey a goff is better cousins is better but yeah overall they're in the same bucket where they're relatively limited but when they're on they can really move an offense and they can they can yeah. really take things to another level and i think you're seeing that with golf. and i, I want to lay it out like this Ben Johnson's probably gone after this year. Let's just be real about it. And would you trust anybody else with Goff having an extension? Because I feel like if Johnson was going to be there for four years and you knew he was going to be there for four years, you'd feel a lot more comfortable giving Jared Goff that extension because of who's going to be working with him and calling the plays. But with that being such a, uh, an unknown right now, do you, are you willing to actually? Are the sorry, not you. We heard your thoughts. Are the Lions going to actually be willing to make that commitment?
2: I think they will. And my big thing is, um, I listened to like how Brad Holmes spoke last off when I was doing my best Tommy DeVito, um, when they were talking about because they had the sixth pick and there was a lot of talk around. Hey, is. That's a spot where you can find yourself moving up. Because there were a couple like stray mocks here and there where people were like, hey, like if a team is looking to jump, maybe to three if you like Anthony Richardson, maybe you stay at six if you like Will Levis. And there, there was a lot of that quarterback talk. And a thing that Brad Holmes said is he said, I think the exact quote was, It's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback in this league. It's a lot harder to get better. Mm-hmm. So I think, and it sort of kills me because I feel like there could be some complacency there. Just like, hey, we have a guy here. Let's not screw with it. Um, but like, it does feel like they believe in him to be the guy. Um, now, with the Ben Johnson thing, it's, I mean, he's probably going to be gone after this year. There's the NFL is going to call, he's going to get a head coaching, like multiple head coaching interviews at the very least. Mm-hmm. My thing is I think Campbell is because like Campbell came up under the Sean Payton offense and like that offensive tree. Yeah, I really wonder if and I mean like Mark Brunel is the quarterbacks coach. Remember like, excuse me, former backup quarterback to I think Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if they feel good enough about like Mark Brunel. Where they can sit back and say, "Hey, you know the offense, you know the system, you've played in the offense that we like to run, you know how it works." Here's a continuity hire. Um, the only other thing I would imagine is like maybe if Campbell tries to like diversify a little bit and like get outside and bring in some new ideas. But I also look at like the Anthony Lynn hire as OC when he first got hired. And it was like, that sort of felt like he was trying to go outside of what he knew offensively. And then halfway through the season, he should get play calling from Anthony Lynn. Um, so that's where I think some of my curiosity comes in. Uh, because it's like, I feel like Campbell can, if they just made the continuity higher, I feel like play calling combined with Campbell's general aggressiveness could work but I'd have to see it to believe it kind of thing. Like I I would go into it with some skepticism.
0: Completely understood. And we got a interesting comment from Delton in the chat. Uh, when I think of Goff, I think of Charlie Batch. And hmm. it's a very interesting comparison. Um, obviously, Charlie Batch being uh, from Ypsilanti in Eastern Michigan. It's a, it's a little bit of a yeah, different comparison. Uh, I, I, I found that one interesting. I thought I'd share it with you.
2: Yeah, I saw that one pop up and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I would say golf is like a little more than Batch because Batch just sort of felt like a career backup where it was like, oh, okay, well, he's here. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. Like, Batch played when I was a lot younger, so I, I may not 100% know his career.
0: Um, no, you're right. He, he basically was a career backup. Uh, yeah. You know, Things didn't go very well in those Charlie Bash years, but then again, the Lions just could not figure out the quarterback position to save their life. They, I mean, they gave a big no. contract to schedule Mitchell.
2: Yeah, the, the Lions have not been able to figure out quarterback until Matthew Stafford walked in that door. And then even then, I think they struggled to figure out the things around a quarterback because they were like, well, this guy's a freak. He'll just throw things around. We'll figure it out. And it's like, mm-hmm. brother, no, your quarterback's getting killed on a week by week basis. I've watched him get sacked six times today. What are we doing here?
0: Well, they're, they're trying to get him to retire at 31 like they did with two of their other big stars, but I, I won't be oh mean to yes.
2: <laughs> no, I, it, love- it, I think it's warranted, though, because it's like, it really did feel like when, and I don't mean to cut you off there, but it really does felt, it did, did feel like when Stafford was in the building, they were just like, he's going to make us right. And it's like, you know, in college, like, a quarterback can make you right. Like, I look at – I'm going to show my my spirit a little bit, but, you know, as, for the fans to know, I'm a Buckeye fan as well. I watched C.J. Stroud for two years. <laughs> I watched C.J. Stroud for two years make Ryan Day right, make that offense right. And it sort of felt like that's something that can happen in college. It doesn't happen in the pros. You can't have a quarterback make you right. And I mean, that's Mm -hmm. something I think we're seeing in Kansas City right now is it's like if you don't surround your quarterback with an infrastructure to allow them to succeed, no matter how talented they are, they're not just going to be able to correct all of the issues. So I think that was sort of how they looked at Stafford, unfortunately.
0: Okay, I get that. And before we kind of move on, because I want to ask some questions about this Vikings defense and how the Lions are going to attack it. I just want to thank everybody for joining here. Um, Don't forget while you're here, like comment, subscribe, do all the fun things. Those are all free to help us out. And if you want, there also is premium subscriptions as well, where we just had the subscriber only video joint with Connor Rogers of NBC sports, the NFL stock exchange, joining the show to talk about NFL draft prospects. There's going to be a lot more of that. Those videos will be free to subscribers. Right away, and then they will be available to the general public. So those are the easiest ways to help us out. And as you saw earlier, um, Lefty did give us a super chat, which is very, very kind. All that money goes to uh, paying for our wonderful equipment and sending me to the Senior Bowl. Remember that—that's how you get all the good stuff for me. So like, mm-hmm. comment, subscribe on things. Same on the podcast feed. Uh, that helps us out as well. And those are those are free things. You don't have to do much. And it makes a big difference for us. And Dan, Daniil Hunter is a game wrecker. He signed a modified contract to give him a raise. And then he hit all three of his bonus plateaus and made an extra $3 million. He had multiple sacks against the Bengals last week. And he is just a fork, uh, an absolute freak of nature, a wrecking force on the defensive line. He's going up likely against Panay Sewell because he likes to play on that right, right side and he likes to go up against the right tackle it's just it's more of a comfort thing for him because when mm-hmm. everson griffin was here the, like he always played on the left hunter played on the right and they've just kind of mm-hmm. continued that uh, are you worried about hunter because we talked about the offensive line and especially those tackles those tackles are pr- a pretty stout group are you yeah. concerned about the offensive line protecting Goff especially with guys like Hunter and as we mentioned Brian Flores has a tendency to blitz in really creative ways
2: yeah. Uh Daniil Hunter has kept me up and given me nightmares for years now. Um, he is an awesome player, and I have hated him for years because he just consistently kicks the ass of the Detroit Lions. Like, just beats us up. Um I think this year it's like part of me is still like Hanging on to old habits when it comes to the Detroit Lions, sometimes, where I'm like, I look at Daniel Hunter and I'm like, he's going, he's going, he's going to beat us, he's going to kill us, and then I sit there and I I watch Penny Sewell like pregame like yelling and getting like very fired up, and I watch him on the field and I'm like, you know, that I think that's going to be like one of the matchups of the game, if not for the fact that like it may help decide like how minnesota can defend detroit but just because it's two awesome football players going at each other like that's going to be such a cool matchup to watch penne has been awesome ever since he got to detroit um i will take the l on that draft uh because i think me and you were texting that draft where i really wanted for homer reasons justin fields and honolulu blue And then Mm -hmm. they drafted Sewell and I was like, Oh great. Like Justin Fields is going to run all over the league or run all over Detroit for the next like 12 years. And I mean, he sort of has, but like not throwing the ball well against Detroit. So that's one or the other. Um, But it was like, you know, they drafted Penne and I was like, this guy's awesome, but I really want Fields. Mm -hmm. But damn it. Penne Sewell is awesome. (laughs) Um, So I think that's going to be such a cool matchup just to see how it goes out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be one that uh, once I get the all 22 here um, next week, it's going to be a real fun one to watch. And I, I cannot wait. Um, this Lions defense, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator growing up, I remember watching him with the jets and he was one of my Mm -hmm. favorite corners because he was just, uh, he was just this little guy that would just beat the piss out of you. And I think the mentality of this defense kind of has a little bit of Glenn in them and, but they haven't been the most consistent last year. They were the only team work from the Vikings in yards allowed per game. And this year they've improved significantly. They're 18 and being able to improve by 13 spots is a testament to one talent and two the ability with coaching and development. And I think that's really taken um, a step forward here with the lions How comfortable uh, are you with Aaron Glenn as the defensive coordinator? And are things actually trending in the right direction with this group?
2: Again, I'll say conflicted. um, Because my thing with Glenn is I feel like there are games where he just sort of sits on his hands a little bit. And like... Yeah, some of the earlier games it worked because in the early part of the season they were playing you know early season Jordan Love and they were playing you know this this team in Carolina that is attempting to play football and you're playing like Eric er, Arthur Smith in Atlanta and their his absolute terrorism on the fantasy football community. I will say as a B John Robinson holder. <laughs> um and it's like it—it it felt early in the season. It was like okay, like they may actually have just a, an awesome defense. I feel like down the stretch a little bit they have had issues, um, but then last week it felt like they made some adjustments. So what I'll say, like you know, they had a stretch. I want to say it started with Baltimore. I mean, the Baltimore game was just an outright disaster. Um, hmm there was a stretch in there where they like really just, they struggled pen. Like they had game by game, I was watching them and I'm just like, like I could not even like really reliably think that they were going to get a stop. But then last week they, I don't remember like the actual amount of points that they gave up to Denver, but it was like in reality, like a lot of those points were like garbage time. It felt like at the end of the game, Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, like, Denver tried to throw a couple of Hail Marys while they were down on the ground. Um, and some of the adjustments that I saw, first off, they, they made a change at their second corner spot. I have been... I And I hate being a hater to an extent. Depends on who I'm hating against. If it's Michigan football, I'm hating all, all, all day. If it's Green Bay football, I, I'm hating all day.
0: I don't, I don't um, know if you realize this. Harbaugh got some new allegations today.
2: Oh, oh brother, I saw.
0: <laughs>
2: um, that's not even the, uh, that's not even the, uh, the Connor Stallings edition of those allegations. That's just the COVID mm-hmm. stuff. Um. So, but with Aaron Glenn in this defense, it's like the one guy who it feels like I have picked on a lot because other teams pick on, pick on him a lot. It was Jerry Jacobs, number 23, uh, opposite Cam Sutton. It just felt like He was a ticking time bomb. Of defense would make a couple plays, and then he would blow a coverage. And this last week against Denver, they made a change. Um, Khalil Dorsey and oh my goodness, I cannot remember the other young man's name. Um, But they signed him like from the practice squad in Chicago, and they were just like, "Hey, you want to come play corner?" Kendall Vildor. Yeah, yeah, them. Um, they got both of them on the field instead of Jacobs, and I thought they looked pretty good. Uh, Dorsey made a really nice tackle for loss on a screen where he just he flew up and smacked the hell out of a receiver. Um, and then the other big adjustment they made, it was almost like without Gardner-Johnson, these safeties have struggled to cover, and it was almost like Aaron Gled said, hey, you can't cover, so I'm just going to blitz so he just brought Melafawu, he brought Branch, he just brought these dudes on blitzes all night. And there was a really cool, I think Kyle Menke, I want to say is his name, uh, put a really cool clip on Twitter where Melafawu was lined up like 20 yards downfield. And they brought him on a blitz right up the middle. And he flew. Like it was it legitimately impressive to watch him just cover that ground because he ends up making a play on Russell Wilson as Russell was like rolling up to his right. And it was one of those cool things where it was like, Oh, hey, look, an adjustment. Because there mm-hmm. were so many times this year where it felt like they're just trying to sit back. And actually, like I made a note about this where it felt like I said, I the note I made was it feels like this defense is relying on individual players making top end plays instead of like good scheme so like this defense is hey hutch hey branch hey anzalone sutton elin mcneil who's hurt hey guys go make a play instead of us setting you up to make a play and then you being able to make it because you are a good player mm-hmm. and that's been a lot of issue, especially with this pass rush because it's like i think you know, Hutch only has like four sacks this year but it's like every play teams are just doubling them they are sliding protection to him because there hasn't been another like reliable pass rush piece with Houston being hurt and honestly just the rest of the defensive line not playing up to the way that they played last year. Because last year it felt like, hey, these guys, they started the season bad, but uh, like as the end of the season came around, it's like you sort of felt that defensive line a little more. And now this year you don't. Like you don't, like James Houston, uh, you know, like I just said, he's hurt mcneil's been in and out of the lineup um Mm -hmm. the rest of these tackles like isaiah bugs has been on a milk carton um john kaminsky hasn't really popped the way that i sort of thought he would so that's been another big issue is it's just like these individual players aren't making plays and they aren't allowing them scheme wise to like set them up to go make a play So that's been sort of some of my issue with this Aaron Glenn defense. Is it's like, hey man, like you gotta, you gotta scheme it up a little bit. Sure, you're a defense, but you gotta scheme it up. And now last week, it sort of felt like they were like making some scheme adjustments, which was cool.
0: Let's talk about Aiden Hutchinson because he's obviously a PFF darling. I don't think PFF has ever loved a player more than they love Aiden Hutchinson. (laughs) How actually good? is Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson is a really really good player that
2: I feel like puts himself out of position a lot because it yeah. feels like it feels like he knows like hey these other guys aren't going to get like that pressure that they want. So it feels like he's trying to do it all instead of just staying in a rush lane. Instead of like trusting that, hey, I have good technique. And if I stay in my rush lane and I do what I know how to do, even if he's not getting to the quarterback, he can change the play a little bit by getting in the backfield. And it feels like this year a lot more he is like – he does this really annoying inside spin move. And he had one against Chicago –
0: it was the one where He'd Fields broke out and scored a touchdown, right?
2: There was that one, and then there was another one where I think it was like Fields completed a deep pass where like a buddy of mine texted me, and he's like, why is that not a holding? Where Hutch like very poorly set it up outside and then tried to spin back. But then in spinning back, he just like, you almost felt like he was either trying to post up a player, like post up an offensive tackle, or they were at a nightclub where it was just like he ended up back directly into the tackle and the tackle just sort of like grabbed the back of his pads because it was like, well, he's directly in front of me and he does Mm the spin move a lot where he tries to like, instead of hitting the initial move, he's trying to counter too much almost. And because of that, he's leaving a lot of room on the outside because then you had the one against field where fields broken off for touchdown where he just, Hey, I don't have a. He's like he almost felt. It almost felt like he said, "I don't have a responsibility. I'm gonna do just do something." And it's like, brother, no, you you playing a four three running quarterback. You need lane responsibility. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been sort of like the frustration I've had with Hutch. I still think he is like far and away their best. Definitely the best defensive lineman. Probably the best player in the defensive front. More than likely the best player on this defense. But it's just, like, there are the small detail things that, like, when you're going from an awesome rookie season to, like, building on it, that it's, like, he needs to clean some of those things up. But I also feel, like, cleaning it up will come from them having better players around him. Like, it may not be something that, like, it happens this year, but, like, if you see them add another good pass rusher opposite him, where... Now the whole offense isn't just going to slide to him automatically. You may Mm -hmm. see better performance.
0: And you may finally get that with James Houston coming back, which is going to be a really big positive him and Gardner Johnson. Mm -hmm. A couple more questions, Dan, and we're going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, The Vikings offense uh, is a really unique enigma this year because with Kirk Cousins, look, Cousins was arguably playing at an MVP level. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. he actually gets hurt for the first time in his life which is just the most Minnesota Vikings irony of all time. But they've been able to relatively keep that momentum going over the course Mm -hmm. of the last six weeks playing without him. It hasn't been the most consistent, but they have put up some pretty big point totals. Uh, How concerned are you facing this Vikings offense, which is obviously loaded with uh, two really good wide receivers, including arguably the best one in the NFL, top five Mm -hmm. tight end and a really good offensive line. Something we haven't been able to say since Steve played for the franchise
2: it's it genuinely brings me concern because it's like without elaine mcneil i think the interior like played well last week like i think last week was the first game without him um they played relatively well but i don't think denver is an offensive line to run home about but man like if Excuse me, if whoever lines up opposite Cam Sutton is not on their A game, it's it brings me concern because it's like So I actually a question I do have for you. Where does Jefferson mm-hmm. line up a lot? Is he like a primary Ever. slot guy? Or they, no. they put him all over the place? Okay.
0: All over the place. That, uh, one of the things they like to do, it's kind of the same thing with Cooper Cup they do a lot of tight splits and they really don't have anybody designated to play slot. They don't have anybody designated as the uh, X, Y, or Z. It's, we're just going to line up the way we want to line up. And we're just going to line you up wherever we choose. And Jefferson, a lot of times will uh, align inside the numbers, but where inside the numbers is um, a little tricky. Um, I I can pull those numbers up here via PFF here in just a moment, but yeah, they don't really have any, I have to line him up as the X, like you would with a DK Metcalf. He is a, mm-hmm. I, I call him Gumby. Uh, he, is, <laughs> he is the Gumby of the national Football league. Um, yeah. He is just incredible.
2: That that concerns the hell out of me. I'm going to be straight up with you. That concerns the hell out of me because I don't know if, like, I think Cam Sutton has had a relatively good year. Um, I think he has been a relatively good cornerback. I don't know if, I mean, but then again, like, is anyone good enough to consistently stop Justin Jefferson? No, but let's, let's be honest with ourselves. No, um, I, I think you know. I'll echo your statement. He's probably the best receiver in this football league right now. Like he's mm-hmm. incredible. But my thing is, it's like less about is Jefferson going to get his. My concerns going to come from Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson, TJ Hawkinson especially, because my thing is is Detroit going to, like, allow Brian Branch to just, like, hey, just follow Hawk around and try and do something with him? Or are they going to rely on, like, linebackers to cover him? Because Detroit's linebackers and coverage is so, like, just one of the most putrid things I have seen. And (laughs) heaven forbid, if Derek Barnes finds himself on a football field, he is not going to cover anybody. Um, So that brings me concern because it's like those are the kind of things where i feel like in like watching football and enjoying football it's like you know your top the top guy is going to sometimes just he's going to have games that just happen it's just going to be a thing i mean i i saw that for years watching calvin johnson like hey you know what sometimes he's just better than whatever you're going to throw at him but it's going to be a lot of those secondary guys where if detroit can i think relatively keep I don't know if I want to say like a cap, but like not allow them to consistently slice and dice them a little bit, like between Addison and Hawk. That's where I would look and say, I think that's going to be the big matchup between Detroit's defense and Minnesota's offense is can they keep those two from blowing this game open? Because if those two blow blow this game open and then you have Justin Jefferson on top of it, I don't see a realistic place where Detroit can get a lot of stops. They just, they concern me on defense. They concern me when they're going against competent offenses. So it's like, that's the thing I'm going to keep an eye out for is, is Addison and Hawk doing a bunch of stuff.
0: Yeah. I, and that's, that's kind of where I'm looking to Jefferson's Great. And I think he is the best receiver in football, but mm-hmm. the addition of Addison just makes things so much more lethal. Um, mm-hmm couple questions here uh to close out Dan what uh if you had to pick CJ Stroud or Justin Fields I'm gonna put you on the spot who you what taking? am I picking
2: them for am I picking them for like to start NFL franchise kind of thing uh,
0: you're, you're picking them who do you like better
2: oh my goodness that one's hard because they're both awesome um
0: you didn't think you were gonna get out, out of this show easy did you uh
2: uh-uh. oh heavens no um <laughs> If I'm picking a guy to start an NFL franchise, I'm picking C.J. Stroud 10 times out of 10. C.J. Stroud is the cleanest, most accurate, like, the the stuff that he does as a quarterback is just insane.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If, I'm, if I'm talking about the college game, there is a point I'm probably, I may take Justin Fields because it's like, sure, he may not bring the level of like, Enough to say Fields is like dumb or not accurate, but CJ Stroud's like acumen for the position and his accuracy is just like better than any quarterback I've ever seen in my life to, the, to this point. Like, it's ridiculous. But like, if I'm throwing him in a college game, I might throw Stroud or Fields because it's like I know if all else fails, he's going to scramble around and make a play. And sometimes with Stroud, unless they're playing Georgia, he's not going to scramble and make a play. So that's sort of yeah. my catch twenty-two there. I don't know w- what's the context I'm picking them in. I'm going to make my own context. I don't know.
0: <laughs> there we go. Two more questions. Both uh, incredible players. Yeah, that's true. Uh, who you got winning this game? Um, I'm still trying to figure it out. The Lions uh, just jumped up to yeah. three and a half. Favorites on Bet MGM. And if if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback, the Vikings would probably be two and a half for three point favorites because he he's worth almost the touchdown on the spread.
2: Yeah, this, ooh, buddy. How about I'm gonna look at a couple like keys to Detroit that I have written down because I had two keys that I wrote down about times that they lose. That The times in this season that I have watched Detroit lose a football game is the other team I jumps out for the most part. I'm going to ignore the Seattle one because the Seattle one was its sort of own enigma of just Detroit refusing to get a pass rush. But the other games that they've lost, I look at like Chicago, I look at Green Bay, and I look at Baltimore. It's at some juncture in that game, the other team just builds a lead that's too big. And for some reason, I don't know what like last game was the first time all year that they just didn't do this but like for some reason coming out of halftime it's like it takes a full quarter for them to like actually get into the game out of halftime so i'm gonna say i think detroit's gonna be able to run the football i think they're actually that's another question i did have for you what how is minnesota's defense against like a run team like how do they play against the run
0: They're pretty good against the run. The only team that's had an exorbitant amount of success in the running game was in week two with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles ran for like 250 yards, but the Vikings were still trying to kind of figure out how they wanted to implement the scheme. And they said, Jalen Hurts, you're not beating us. You're going to beat us by running DeAndre Swift for 200 yards. Mm -hmm. Do it. And they did.
2: Yeah. That's the thing that's sort of curious to me because it's like I see, like, I think Philly has one of the top, like, handful of offensive lines in the league. And I think Detroit does as well. And if Detroit's line is healthy, and so far I haven't seen anything about any of their linemen missing, potentially missing this game. It looks like they're going to be all healthy up front. If they're all healthy up front, I think Detroit should be able to, for the most part, be able to establish a little bit of a run game enough to where they're able to like open their offense the way that they want to. But I think both teams, I think it's so hard because I want to just say like, Hey, like Detroit's going to win like 21 to 17 is what this game sort of feels like. But at the same time, I just like, I look at matchups and I'm just like, man, Minnesota still has a couple things here and there that like, if, Things don't go right. I could see it, like Minnesota winning the football game. Is what I what I would look at. So it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna try and let go of some old uh, habits, and I'm gonna say Detroit twenty one, Minnesota fourteen.
0: All right, all right. Last question for you. We're talking about those damn cookies today. Those, those, oh sugar yeah, cookies. buddy, <laughs> those sugar cookies with the crappy frosting that you get at Walmart. What is your opinion on those cookies?
2: Oh, um, I actually had this conversation with my manager at work today because, uh, so we did like an adopt a family thing for the holiday and we had the families come in to get some of their gifts for it. And we had those cookies and I grabbed like three of them and walked back to my desk because I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, buddy, we're eating, we are eating good
0: today. Well, good, good is relative. At, at least it can be considered food because that's about all you can consider. Those cookies are disgusting. <laughs> I love them. Tell, I love them so much them in the comments. You know, those cookies, the sugar cookies oh, that yeah. are like extra fluffy with the, the thick frosting and sprinkles. You get it at, at a grocery store in the mm-hmm. bakery section. What's your opinion on those cookies? Do you like them? Do you hate them? It's been a contentious argument in uh, one of our group chats for the better part of five years, mm-hmm. let us know in the comments. We want to hear what you have to say. Dan, can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. It, it's g- always a good time talking to you. Where can the people find you to find your your lion's takes and takes uh, on life in general?
2: Uh, I'm on Twitter, I think. Still, let me think. I, yeah, I've got it at Dan underscore Dan underscore Dad underscore Dan. Uh, you'll just find the guy with the um, the obnoxious amounts of Dan, in their name. Uh, I just I talk a lot of just just talk a lot there. Um, that's pretty much the only one I'm really active on. Um, I've I've tried other social media, and for some reason I keep coming back to that absolute wasteland that is Twitter.
0: <laughs> it's because Twitter is meth.
2: Oh yes. Yeah. See? At that. see? Look, at that. Look at that picture.
0: That spore coat that is, was, is a thing of beauty.
2: That was I mean, that was my graduation in twenty was that twenty nineteen? Mm-hmm. I think it was twenty nineteen. Because okay. yeah. And that was about like forty pounds ago as well. But that's a good coat. I like I still have it somewhere in my closet. I have to get it out and see how poorly it fits. <laughs>
0: Hey, trust me. I, I know the feeling. I I put on about seventy or eighty pounds since you last saw yeah. me and Matt, and so I need to, I need to hit the gym. But, May, hey, I greatly appreciate your time. Let's bring in producer Dave to finish out the show. He will appear back in that bottom right hand corner at some point. I, sure. Hopefully, he's there. He is.
1: I'm here, just sitting back here drinking a whiskey, talking with folks in the chat. That.
0: Ah, Good show. We have a good football game on Friday, on Sunday, and then we get to do it again in two weeks. Hopefully, with both teams still playing for something, and that is that is going to do it here today. We will have Dave. Dave, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do for Monday because we're not doing a live show, but we should have something for the people.
1: And we should, then we should have something. But I may have something special to tomorrow. I'm going to ask everybody. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw. There was a person in the chat. That was, uh, I called Foster, M.B. Foster. Um, he's part of Who Will Be King, the NFC North Roundup. Normally, we record on Wednesday, and I was all hot and bothered, got ready for it, and realized, no, we postponed it today. It's going to be tomorrow. My so I is-
0: had to get my all my stuff to you early today, and I didn't have to.
1: come on that is correct but i appreciate it anyways i didn't figure it out till this afternoon when they told me dave it's not till you know i sent out the link a little bit before four and i go dave it's not till tomorrow and i said oh shit you're right but anyways tomorrow who would like to see that production live i'm willing Mm. to broadcast it live and it's a blast we've got foster and june from detroit bleachers to speakers podcast we have pay from the bear claw podcast and unfortunately we have no uh green bay packers representative to pick on personally so we pick on them in abstention.
0: hey uh, at least you don't have to talk to them like uh,
1: we get, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but it puts for a fun show and this week we do have the interdivisional rivalry game where the Detroit Lions come to U.S. Bank for the whiteout game. And did you know, Dan, the last time Detroit won in U.S. Bank was 2017?
2: Was it real? Yeah, because last year was the game winning field goal.
0: Yeah, that would mm-hmm. make sense. Yeah, you yeah, you tore Dalvin Cook's ACL in that game. I I'll I'll never forget that game, was that I didn't really? get to watch. Yeah, I was I was moving into my new apartment. That was about a month before I met my wife. Wow. Oh,
2: the 2017 wow. one. Okay, I thought yeah. you were talking about last year. Yeah. It's because what was that one the golden Tate one? That where was he flipped into the end zone?
0: I, no, that would have been I think twenty sixteen. Where he flipped into the end zone. Um, is 2017. He screwed up 70.
1: that game. but He had one of his bozo plays that Tyler likes to talk about.
0: Ah, uh, yes. The Case Keenum bozo gene. I love that.
1: For all that's <laughs> interested, uh, who will be king will be at 4 o'clock Central Time tomorrow afternoon. So if you work, excuse yourself. Step outside and watch.
0: Join the program. It'll be good. That is our show here tonight for Dan, 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 Dan Dan, and Dave. I'm Tyler. Much love to all of you. The one thing we always say to finish the show, Skull Vikings.
2: Skull Vikings. (laughs) (laughs) Go Lions. Go Lions.
1: Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community. And we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production, part of the Fans First Sports Network.